we pray part 11. We're in the 11th hour of prayer. This is so awesome. I feel like it's gone a long way, but this is the last one. And uh, I'm excited about it. This one's called Protect Us. And I'm going to clarify some things in this um, passage of Scripture. We're going to go back to the, the original text here, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 through 13. Uh, what I mean by original text is the original text for our... The whole sermon series is built on this one passage of Scripture. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 7 through 13. I'll read it to you. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse 9, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um but deliver us from evil. So this is broke down into, into five sections. We've gone over this and basically recapping everything here today. Number one, uh, worship and communion. This is where we worship. We have thanksgiving. It's the battering ram of our faith uh, for our breakthrough in our life. Worship and communion. Thanksgiving. This is where we work on our relationship with, with God. Um, this is so important for us to worship God. This is what breaks us through um, to, to, get, to break through our, our trials and, or whatever we're dealing with. Um, the second part of the, of the prayer is your assignment and your calling. And this is referring to um, setting captives free. Everybody has a purpose. And it begins with this, setting your cap setting captives free. And you may be, you know, working a normal job or you may be in ministry, but everybody has this purpose, setting captives free. So the first part of the of the prayer is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So this is the worship and communion and thanksgiving, right? And the next part is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now we're talking about our assignment. We're praying heaven down into earth. The third part was a about a provision. And uh, it says right here, give us this day our daily bread. So um, the fourth part of the prayer is forgiveness and peacemaking. We talked about last time how this is the foundation of our faith. This part right here, even though it's the fourth part of the whole deal, um, this is the foundation of all of our faith. Christ Jesus is what gave us forgiveness between you know between us and the Father and gave us good standing with God. This is the foundation of everything we ask God for. The very fact that I'm now in favor with God and I have peace with Him now should also lead into peace with other people. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive those who are indebted to us. So peacemaking, this is the foundation of the entire prayer. Okay, and I, it's weird that it's the fourth part of the prayer, but it is the foundation of it all. Um, and also going into the part where we pray for our enemies. Because Jesus died for his enemies. For Christ so loved the world that he demonstrated his own love toward us even though we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated it while we were enemies of God. 
And the fifth part, the last final part, is protect us. And it, it reads like this. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. And it says, but deliver us from evil. Okay? So, this infers that you're going to go through evil, but you're going to be delivered. Okay? It also is talking about temptation. So we're going to have to talk about today what is temptation. Is temptation from God? It says right here, lead us not into temptation. Almost inferring that if we don't pray about that, that we may be led into temptation. Right? Why would we have to pray lead us not into temptation? If there wasn't a possibility of us being led into temptation. That's a little weird. You know? Lead us not into temptation. <laughs> you know, I I just like to talk about everything in the Bible. I don't like to skip everything, you know. Even though there's hard stuff, and sometimes I can't afford to talk about it because I just don't know the answer. Sometimes, that's in chapter four, verse one. So, uh, concerning temptation, let's go. Uh, so this is this is the foundation. This is how everything's built. Cool. All right. I'm gonna leave this in here. I'm gonna erase everything else. We're in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus gets dis he gets baptized, okay? So he just got baptized by John the Baptist. He um, comes out of the water, and the Holy Spirit comes on him, high priestly anointing. If you study the Levitical law, you'll see that the priest must be washed and then anointed um, for his priestly duties. So Jesus was um, entering into the Christhood. If you might say. Now, people would say he was always the Christ, but this moment right here defined him as the Christ. The word Christ means anointed one. Okay, so just a brief little synopsis here in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus is being baptized. He's considered the anointed one. Christ is the anointed one. That's what it means. That's all that, that's all that means, by the way. The word Christ, all it means is anointed one okay it doesn't mean savior it doesn't mean it means anointed one okay which is powerful the reason why that's important because kings are anointed why didn't they call him just king jesus king or why didn't they call him jesus priest because both the king needs to be anointed and the priest needs to be anointed christ sums that up the anointed one whenever whenever david would not come against saul he says i would not come against saul god's anointed Okay, so to be the anointed one means that you're set apart for sacred use. And in this case, Jesus would be set apart. See, even a sacrifice would be anointed. Okay, so the whole, what's holy, okay, the holy one of Israel. It's another way to put it, you know. But anointed means that the Holy Spirit, he's going to be smeared with something. Generally the Holy Spirit or smeared with um, oil. Okay, so... When a priest got consecrated for priestly duties, they would bathe him, they'd wash him, and then they would pour oil on him. And then he would be the anointed one. He would be the priest, the high priest. Okay? So this is what Jesus was doing. He went into the water. Now, when he got baptized, he wasn't getting baptized to get washed all his sins away because he had no sin. What was the purpose? He says, all, this must happen to fulfill all righteousness. He's talking about the law. Well, there's more to the law than just not sinning. 
The law has to do with, um, uh, what do you call those things you do? Not traditions. Rituals. Rituals, there we go. Rituals, ordinations. So it's a ritual or a sacrament or whatever, you know what I mean? So when he said, when he's talking about the law, the law didn't just have to do with not sinning. It also had to do with your ordinations, your rituals, the things you have to do, the processes of being holy. Okay? So when Jesus said, I, he, John the Baptist says, I need to be baptized by you. And he goes, no, no, this has to take place. Why? Because John the Baptist was a prophet. And only prophets can anoint kings. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. That's good. Ah! Think about that. I need to be baptized by you, John the Baptist would say. Oh, God's good. This is so cool. You're talking about humility? Jesus humbled himself. He was the king of all kings. Yeah. He was the prophet of all prophets. Yet he submitted to another prophet. Oh. This is why... Man, I'm getting all elated right now. Jesus is awesome. Dude, this is why when a great man of God submits to another great man of God... Come on. Submission doesn't mean you're, not, you're less than. Submission means you know the value of another man. That's why when I listen to even my students, they say stuff to me all the time, and I'll, I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. I submit myself to Holy Spirit living inside my students because they don't get a junior Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, I may be a teacher, but that doesn't mean that I'm not teachable. A good teacher is teachable. All right, this is really profound. But Jesus comes to the prophet, John the Baptist, and says, no, this must take place for all righteousness to be fulfilled. So John recognizes Jesus as king, just like Samuel recognized David as king. David was Samuel's king. David was Nathan's king. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Nathan was David's prophet. Samuel was David's prophet good stuff it's cool stuff i don't know how to, it's, it's pretty it's an interesting relationship honor that's huge honor god has called us to use our callings and our giftings to bring out other people's callings and giftings amen that's pretty powerful sorry we just totally got off there so he gets baptized gets washed and then he says john the baptist says i knew the holy spirit in his book or in the book of john it says that he recognized um who the Christ was because he would be, the Holy Spirit would come upon him. So that when they got poured with oil on the top of the priest, it was symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So when Jesus came out of the water, it says the dove came on Jesus. The Holy Spirit came like a dove and landed on Jesus. And this was his anointing. There was no oil. It was just straight up Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit anointed Jesus. Right then. And then he became the king of kings and the priest, the high, the high priest of all priests. Mm -hmm. Okay? Pretty powerful. Now, right after that, he goes into the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Then the Holy Spirit, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> he emptied. Okay, here's what I. Alright, so then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Alright, so who's do, who does the tempting? Does the Holy Spirit do the tempting? According to right here, it says right here, to be tempted by the devil. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Yeah. Okay? 
Does this mean that God's sending things on us? No, there was something there was something that was necessary yeah. for Jesus to go through for him to become all that he was. Yeah. And part of that was emptying himself. Mm. Listen. The tempter never stops tempting. He doesn't care how awesome you are or how he always tempts you. Okay? He's always tempting. That's what he does. He's the tempter. You know? What he looks for is opportunities to tempt you the best. Yeah. Because he's conniving and he's, he's, uh, he's, what, how do you spell that word? Conniving. <laughs> I don't know how to spell it. He's conniving. He's witty. He looks for opportunities of your, where you may be more susceptible to be tempted. Amen. What he looks for, he is he is like uh, he's like any other predator, looking for the one that's wounded. He's looking for weakness. Yeah. But this is a problem. See, why did why did Jesus? What was Jesus led into the wilderness? He was led there to be emptying himself, which takes weakness. It takes humility. Jesus was positioning himself to a place where he could receive from God victory. But you can't do it if you don't empty yourself because God doesn't manifest in somebody's life until they're out of the way. Amen. So Jesus was going to a place to remove himself out of the way so that God could move. But in his moment of weakness, he was set in ambush by the devil. And the devil always tempted with something that sounded like God's word. The devil always takes something good... And twists it. And he'll get you in a moment of weakness. Right in that moment of weakness is where he's going to tempt you. Right in that moment of weakness. And it always sounds good. If you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Isn't he the son of God? No. Can't he turn it into bread? Didn't he curse a fig tree? I mean, we couldn't say, well, that's silly, right? Jesus did a lot of things that were silly. <laughs> you know what made, what? do you know what made it wrong? Not the words themselves. It was the fact that Satan said it. God tells you to kill your son, kill your son. That's Abraham right there. If the devil tells you to kill your son, don't kill your son. Uh-huh. You see? That's a really weird example, but my point is this. If God tells you to do something, you do it. If the devil tells you to do it, it's probably going to sound good, but it's just because he said it, it's not from God. Now, sometimes you can recognize something from the devil because it doesn't line up with the scriptures, okay? which is discernment. You have to start weighing it out. But see, that's what Jesus did. We're going to have to go there now. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Lead us not into temptation. So this is going to teach you how to overcome temptation. That's what we're going to talk about. Okay? And we're going to go into protection. Alright? Uh, what is it? Luke, uh, was it Matthew chapter 4? Then Jesus was led up by, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting four days and forty nights, he was hungry. <laughs> I would have been hungry day two. <laughs> oh, and he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, 
Come, uh, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the, Holy, from the mouth of God. What's the difference? He's being led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, so he knows that he's not supposed to be eaten right now. Because he's being led by the Holy Spirit. You see? He got a word from God, being led by the Holy Spirit in the midst of the trial, then he gets tempted. Here, turn these loaves into turn these bread, these stones into to loaves of bread, and you can eat it. If you're the son of God, right? Alright? So he used the word of God. When you get tempted, you use the word of God. I never thought I never that never made sense to me. I it still doesn't answer like when I read what Jesus responded to him, it still didn't make any sense to me. Like, why did that work, God? If you're the son of what was what was being tempted? His identity. Hey, if you're if you're the they always live with doubt. If the opening statement is doubt, to cause you to doubt what you already heard before. See? Hey, if you're the he, he already knew it. He just got baptized. The Holy Spirit came down. Voice from heaven just said, This is my son who I am well pleased with. <laughs> it just happened. He just got baptized in the water. Hey, this is my son. Hey, if you're the son of God. See? So the first thing that gets tempted, the first thing that gets um, messed up, the first thing that's introduced is doubt in his identity as the Son of God. So now I need you to do this to prove that you are the Son of God. I need you to do this if you truly are the Son of God. You see? It's crazy. So what is the problem? His identity is being tested. He's, he's doubting. He's getting, being tempted with doubt concerning his identity. Every time you get tempted, it has to do with your identity. Yeah. Well, if you were a real man, you'd go home and take care of your kids. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> you know? I deal with people in the program. God told them to come to the program, and then the devil starts tempting them. Oh, if you were a real man, you'd go home and get a job. But you have to realize... The man does not live by bread alone. They live on the word of God. Woo! <laughs> then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you. All right, so now the devil takes scripture and tempts Jesus with the scripture. He takes the word of God. And he tempts Jesus with it. I'm talking about Psalm 91. Those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High will not strike their foot against the stone, but he'll command his angels concerning him. They'll catch him up so he won't even strike his foot against the stone. Okay? How does that happen? Well, those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High. All right, devil, if, if I listen to you, I'm not dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, so what you're telling me to do won't work. Because now I'm not resting in God. I'm resting in you. See, all it has to do with is the word of God and obedience. Yeah. If you notice, there isn't anything in these temptations that was outright evil in the sight of men. He didn't tell him to go kill somebody. He didn't tell him to go steal from somebody. He didn't tell him to go lie. How would, have, how would have these things have hurt someone else? See, in men's understanding, they would say, oh, these temptations, they're not, 
What is temptation? Temptation is simply to deter you from doing the will of God in your life. Mm -hmm. God told you to do something, and you disobey. Now you're being tempted by the devil. See? Powerful stuff. Wow. I didn't know we were going to go here. <laughs> he will command his angels concerning you. He do, okay. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Well, in other words, when God tells you to do something, come to the wilderness for 40 days and don't eat anything. <laughs> and pursue me and empty yourself and be strengthened in God. I will do this. Just the very fact that the devil told me to do it, that's why I'm not doing it. See? It sounds good. So there's other, other prophecies about how he, you know, because one day he will come on high. He was on the top of the temple. Jump off the temple. Angels catch him. Sounds a lot like the second coming. <clears throat> but it wasn't time for him to do that. God was calling him to humble himself. Not to showboat. You know? It's kind of weird, huh? Alright, check this out. <laughs> Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Okay, so now we're talking about heart issues. And we're talking about being obedient. And we're talking about being linked up with God. We're talking about intimacy with the Father. If you don't have intimacy with the Father, it's going to be difficult for you to recognize the voice of the devil in your life. Intimacy with the Father. What is God telling you to do? And is the enemy coming and tempting you to do something that sounds good? I can't, I've, there's been times I've, I've been susceptible to that. Where, where I knew the Lord told me to do it like this. And then all of a sudden, I went through a hard time that made me weak. And I faltered and I compromised something that I knew I should have kept the same thing. Like, don't charge an entrance fee for the program. Right? What if, what if it don't sound good? Huh? What if it don't sound good? Well, I, yeah, sometimes it don't sound good. Sometimes that means it's from God. So, my, my point is, if it sounds good, if it sounds like... It, it, you have to be... I'm not even talking to... I'm just teaching. So, I'm not even... What you told me earlier, it's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Well, I figured that when you said it was good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm talking about... Um, this just came. So, I, I feel like I'm supposed to share on it. And well, I'm talking about temptations today. That's the whole, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. So I'm talking about temptation and how to overcome temptation. You know, you overcome temptation by the word of God, okay? Um, but right here it says, uh, it says, and he said to him, all these things I'll give to you. So he's trying to give him a shortcut. He said, listen, I'll just give it to you. All the kingdoms have been handed to me. If you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll just give it to you. So we realize that, again, um, they're all an easy way out. All the temptations lack patience, lack endurance. You know? It's interesting. Okay? You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Alright, so again, back to identity. Alright. Back to identity. Well, the question that came about that caused you to be tempted, it will always begin with doubt. To doubt what you were doing. To doubt what you heard from God originally. Okay? And then it leads into an alternative answer. And again, none of those things sounded outright evil. The devil doesn't normally tempt us like that. 
tries to get us off the road with something that doesn't sound evil. Okay? With something that sounds good. Alright? Alright. <laughs> Make sense? Alright, so deliver us from evil. So lead us not into temptation. Alright, so I don't know if the Holy Spirit was leading Jesus to be tempted. I think the Holy Spirit was leading him into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he would be tempted. Okay? It was necessary for him to overcome those temptations. Because he overcame what Adam could not overcome. You're destined to overcome temptation. It's powerful stuff. If you don't, you won't learn how to overcome and how to hear and distinguish between God's voice and the devil's voice. But we're talking about having opportunity. And really, what makes what causes a man to be tempted? This is powerful. Check this out. Let's go to uh, the next passage here. I got James chapter 1, verse 12 through 18. It clarifies that God does not tempt us. James chapter 1, verse 12 through 18. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. <laughs> because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Verse 14, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. This is powerful right here. And enticed. You can't be tempted with something that's not still in there. When, you, when Jesus was fasting, his weakness was exposed. And if you noticed, his weakness was pretty bare. Like, it was had to do with hunger, right, in the body. Had to do with um, knowing his identity. I, if anyone struggled with identity issues, I'm sure Jesus was struggling with identity issues. I mean, I'm the son of God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Could you imagine me, Jesus? I'm the son of God. <laughs> what? You know? If anyone had to overcome and have courage and seek and lean into God's wisdom more than his own wisdom, it had to be Jesus. His identity was the one thing that would be tested his whole life. Who are you to forgive sin? You claim to be the son of God? You know what I mean? His identity would be in question the rest of his ministry. So it's fit that it was in the temptations in the wilderness during his weakness that that was tempted. Because that was something he had to overcome. Isn't that crazy? Think about this. So you are only dragged away by your own evil desire and enticed. So you're, the thing that your flesh wants or struggles with, that's the thing you're going to be tempted with. So Jesus was tempted with hunger. He was tempted with his identity. And he was tempted with not having to die. Could you imagine a being that's never died? Think about that. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> he was tempted with not having to die. You don't have to go to the cross. Just bow down and worship me. Alright, so then you have to say, okay, so that's where... So he had to overcome those trials so that he would go to the cross. Yeah. If he didn't overcome those trials in weakness, he never would have made it to the cross. That's Powerful true. stuff. Hmm. He would never fully have embraced his identity. In his calling. And then it says, when he came, watch, after, after the temptation, watch this. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. That's powerful. Messengers of God. Come and just start telling him who he is. You did good, man. You did good. Woo! <laughs> you know? Now, when he heard that John had uh, arrested, 
Hold on a minute. I need to know the parallel. Luke chapter 4. <coughs> when he came out of the temptations in Luke chapter 4, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So right after his temptations, according to the Gospel of Luke, it says he returned in the power of the Spirit. When you overcome temptation in your life, this is when you have, when you're endowed with power. Yeah. You become even more confident in who you are. But not only that, you are given something. You're giving an anointing on your life to overcome. And not overcome, but to really know who you are. Because you overcame that already. You already went through the weakness. You already overcame your weakness. That's good. And now, you come with power. Good stuff. Okay? When we fast, though, what it does is it makes the things that are weak in our life surface to the top. Okay? It's kind of like emptying your gas tank and the last thing that's left is the dregs. You know? Or you're drinking your whole tea glass and all that's left is little grounds. That's what fasting does. It gets rid of everything that was nice and hunky-dory about your life, but then weakness comes and all the nastiness starts to show itself. Fasting is powerful. Fasting gets you to a place where you can overcome weakness. You get to the place of weakness and then you get irritated. Ah, don't touch me. I'm hungry. I don't talk to me. I'm tired. Right? place of weakness. My point is, when you're in the place of weakness is when the nastiness surfaces. Okay? So, it's easy to be tempted in those places of weakness. This is why it's powerful to fast. Because you intentionally put yourself in a place to prepare yourself to be tempted so that you can overcome. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. It's practicing a discipline of the flesh. Alright? Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. All right, so, if temptation comes by what's in my heart already, how do I prevent from being tempted? Psalm, or Proverbs 4.23 23 says above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it guarding your heart so if you want to so when we pray it's praying and fasting when we're fasting we're getting rid of the nastiness in our hearts letting the surface it's like oh that's something i need to work on and we start praying and hitting it you see that's what the purpose of fasting is to start re realizing how much self you still have in you so you can get rid of it and you can come against it and you can destroy it in your life all right so that's what jesus was doing he was intentionally bringing up the weakness in his life that was, you see? And so he could destroy it. It's powerful stuff. So, when we submit ourselves to programs or discipleship, it makes our weakness surface. So people go like this, it's not working! They'll say that. <laughs> They'll start going through discipleship and then all this stuff starts surfacing and nasty crap they have to deal with. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's not working! Yes, it is working, or you wouldn't be, it wouldn't be surfacing right now. 
I had somebody blow up on me one time. I don't understand. I blew up on you. I don't. I lost my temper. That's because it's working. <laughs> yeah, but I thought I didn't. He told me this one time. I blew up on you, angry, and I just thought that happened when I was doing math. Well, obviously we know that math's not the problem because you haven't been doing math for the last month. But you blew up on me. So there's a heart issue. But what we're doing is we're fasting here at this place, and we're causing that stuff to surface that's in your heart. Why do we stay here for six months or to nine months? Well, because it takes six months sometimes to make something surface. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It takes time and development. Jesus was 30 years old. And hunger and insecurities finally came out of him. Walking with God. His identity crisis he was dealing with surfaced. Wow. I am. You can't be tempted unless there's something in your heart. Jesus was tempted with what was in his heart. He intentionally went to the wilderness, fasted 40 days. Now, he's pretty awesome. 40 days. <laughs> you know what I mean? It took 30 years of walking with Jesus, with, with, with the Father, and it took 40 days of fasting to make this thing surface. If in four days some nastiness starts surfacing in your life during your fast, your fast is effective. But it will fail if you don't take care of the weakness. If you give up then, you fail. You have to say, oh, that's a weakness. I got to stomp it out. Got pressed through. Blessed is he who perseveres under trial. So what fasting does is it's a controlled environment where I choose to submit myself to trial. See? It's good stuff. It's kind of like the crash dummies. For the cars. It's a controlled environment where they make the car crash. Yeah. And the dummy goes through and they get to find out their weaknesses. This is good. This is why we fast. We fast for a controlled environment to find out our weaknesses. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Lion Ministries podcast. If you like that teaching and you want more, go to our website at boldasalionministries.com. At the top of that page, you'll see a button that says Teaching and Discipleship. Click on that. We've got free MP3s. we got free PDFs. Download as much of it as you want. Also, if you like what we're doing here and you want to see more, you want to hear more, consider becoming a monthly sponsor. Right now, we're running a campaign called Project 500. Okay, And this is geared towards three different aspects of our ministry. The first one is the ministry planting and also the online media and outreach system. Uh, like what you're listening to right now, all of the funding that goes into that will go into uh, helping us with uh, media and also uh, helping us with planting new ministries. Okay, The next one is for uh, the Barracks Discipleship and Recovery House. We have a drug recovery house, so if um, that's, a, that's a thing that's in your heart, uh, consider donating to that. Our third thing is our international missions organization called Ixthus International. It's a Greek word. It means fish because the Lord called us to go out and be fishers of men. So we're focused on those three things right now, and right now we're trying to raise 500 sponsors at $20 or more a month. If you can't give that much, maybe you can just consider making a one-time donation. Every little bit helps. Go to the website, find what it is that you're passionate about that can help us help you help the world. Thank you so much and God bless.